I'm James Brian Smith. Welcome to the Things Above podcast. You are listening to Episode 7. If you missed the earlier podcast and this is your first time listening, this is a podcast for what I call Mind Discipleship. It's a podcast that's aimed at helping people learn how to set their minds on things above. That's where the name comes from, which is Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Here's a great question. What's the most important verse in the Bible? Is that question even answerable? I don't know, but I have an answer, but I'm going to hold off just for a few moments and answer that question by way of a story. So I was privileged to work for many years with the late, great Dr. Dallas Willard. And the thing that I was struck by most was his character. Dallas lived, as I like to say, deep in the kingdom. So I began asking about what he did that made him the way he was. And one of the practices he did most every morning and evening was to meditate on the 23rd Psalm. So wanting to be like Dallas, I'll have what he's having. I began that practice myself, hoping it would help me live more deeply in the kingdom of God. Now, one of the things that you discover when you memorize a passage or you, you recite something, you know, over and over on a consistent basis is that you begin to see things that you didn't see the first time you did it or the 10th time or the 20th time. And so I've been doing this for a number of years now, and it's just been the past year that something about the 23rd Psalm became clear to me, and it's this. This psalm comes from someone who has been living a Godward life. Now, we attribute Psalm 23 to David, um, and we know David was a man who lived a Godward life, right? I mean, he was flawed and sinned grievously, but still he was a man after God's own heart, and you see that in the stories that David really was focused on God. So I'm not surprised that the person we read in those stories is the person who actually did write the 23rd Psalm. But I like to put it this way. There, there are two ways we can live. We can live a Godward life or a selfward life. And I believe a, a Godward life would be a life where our minds and hearts are set on things above. Now, you may be saying, I think Jim's making up words, Godward and selfward. Um, yep, real words. You can look them up. Godward, the, the definition of Godward is with reference to God or toward God. And as I said, I didn't make this up. So Elizabeth Barrett Browning, in her great uh, poem, Aurora Lee, has this line, as if being in the world, their tendency was Godward. I like that. Or Jonathan, Jonathan Swift, who wrote, you're the most temperate man when you are Godward and the most intemperate when you are selfward. Isn't that great? So we live either a Godward life or a selfward life. And a Godward life is a life set on the kingdom of God, right? So Psalm 23 is a beautiful depiction of life in the kingdom. Now, to use different language, which would be Paul's, we can either run our lives on our own, Paul would call that living in the flesh, or we can open our hearts and minds to God and surrender and let God be the king of our kingdom or queendom. And Paul would call that walking in the spirit. So, we make the choice to say yes to God or no to God. And when we say yes to God, when we open our heart to God, we're immersed in a powerful way of living. Okay, back to my question. What's the most important verse in the Bible? My answer would be this, Matthew 6.33. It's a popular verse. Many people know it, but 
I'll recite it here. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Okay, you may be asking, well, Jim, why do you think that that's the most important verse? Well, first of all, it's from Jesus. So, you know, the greatest teacher who ever lived. And it comes from the Sermon on the Mount, which is his greatest teaching, right? The Matthew 5, 6, and 7 are the, the longest extended discourse of Jesus. So greatest teacher in his greatest teaching. And the central verse that unlocks the sermon, the, the only way you can really understand his teaching on the Sermon on the Mount is if you understand those three little words, in the kingdom. So, for example, I can, I can love my enemies if I'm living in the kingdom, that, that's now a possibility. Outside the kingdom, I'm on my own. Nah, that's not going to happen. But if I'm living in the kingdom or living a Godward life, it becomes possible. So with that in mind, this idea of living in the kingdom and living a Godward life, now let's look at the 23rd Psalm and, and see if you can see what I discovered in it. And that is that it is, it is a very Godward psalm. So, for example, there are 10 references to God in this short psalm. Now, there's only six verses in the 23rd Psalm. So to have 10 of the, of the verses reference God is, is saying something. So right away, the Lord is my shepherd. So there's the focus on God. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Third, he leads me beside still waters. Four, he restores my soul. Five, he leads me in paths of righteousness. We're halfway there. There's 10, I said, right? Um, Though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. And then it ends with, and I will dwell where? In the house of the Lord forever. In the house of the Lord forever. God is the focus of the 23rd Psalm. I think that's why when Dallas used that, you know, morning and evening to meditate on it, he was setting his mind on things above. He was being Godward. He was thinking about God in his life. But now here's the thing. God doesn't just want us to focus on him. We also need to understand what God does because the, the definition of love is to act or to will for the, the good of another. Right? It's not, love isn't merely an, an emotional or a physical attraction, like, oh, I really feel this. Love, by definition, is, is active. Right? That's why Bob Goff, the, the title of his book, Love Does. Like, the love does something. And so God, we know, is love. We can, lots of metaphors for God. He's a mighty fortress, a strong tower. We can describe all these ways to, to who, who God is. But this we know, 1 John 4, 8, God is love. God doesn't love some days and go, I'm not going to love today. So I, I love to think of God as infinite love. This infinite love brought you into existence. Now just pause for a moment and think about that. Infinite love, a God who has and always will love you. Yes, you have sin. Yes, you turn away. Yes, there's brokenness that can't prevent God's love. 
Infinite love brought you into existence. But not just to say, well, there's that little person I brought in and set you on a shelf like a trophy. God wants to interact in our lives. So the question is, how does infinite love love us? And there the 23rd Psalm becomes rich once again. So let's just start at the beginning. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, that phrase, I shall not want, it's, you know, that's from the King James Version of the Bible, that translation. And it's British and it's 1611, so it's an old, and it's just very poetic. So it's, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Sounds nice. But the literal rendering of the Hebrew is, nothing do I lack. I know that's the, the grammar's weird, but, or I lack nothing. But nothing do I lack. So the first thing David's telling us is that God to him is like a shepherd who watches over and everything he's going to need, he has. That's a brilliant uh, way of understanding how God loves us, that we don't lack, that God wants to interact with our lives and give us the things that we need. That's why we can pray boldly in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, and Dallas's translation of give us this day our daily bread was give us today the things we need for today. God loves to provide. I mean, it's sometime you ought to study the life of George Mueller, a man who built orphanages in the 19th century all around England. And I'd said some 10,000 children uh, lived in his or were educated in his orphanages. And What's fascinating is that Mueller, he said God told him never to ask for money. <laughs> he said that he would, God said, I will provide. And there are countless stories in his biography of, of the times that, that God brought what he needed when he needed it to help care for these kids. It's beautiful. Do, do look up George Mueller. So God provides, right? Lord's my shepherd. I don't lack anything. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He restores now, the, the image of, the, of restoring here is in keeping with the relationship between a shepherd and a sheep because what happens to a sheep, can happen to a sheep, is that they get on their back and sheep are kind of poorly anatomically designed. And if they get on their back, they can't get themselves back up without the, the aid of someone else. And so they know that they're in big trouble if they get on their back. And so that's called cast, uh, when a sheep is cast. And so a good shepherd will look out and at the flock, and if he sees, oh, boy, that, well, that sheep over there, he's flipped over. Um, they go out and they gently lift them up because you don't want to just flip them because they're freaking out. The sheep can die within three minutes of when they're cast. So um, the, the good shepherd will flip the, the sheep back up and hold them you know, for a moment or two while it calms down and boom. That's the Hebrew word for he restores, that, that act of the shepherd. And that's been so true in my life. There have been those moments when you get the, the, the scary phone calls or, you know, bad news or things don't go well and you just feel like that cast sheep, like, ah, that's, that's the sound of a sheep cast. And God comes, you know, God comes and gently restores us. Isn't that beautiful? That's what love does. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? Thou art with me. God wants to be with us as much as we can stand it. He wants to walk with us and talk with us. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
what a, what an image, right? It's tough to eat with an enemy, isn't it? And uh, you know that's the that's hard to do. You sit down with an enemy, and you don't. Last thing you're thinking about is food. But in the kingdom, in the kingdom, we can learn who we are. We can learn that we are sacred children of God, and so is the person there that we're thinking is an enemy. And we can have a meal with. We can break bread. But you see, in the kingdom, we learn how even to pray for the our enemies. That's what Jesus was saying in the Sermon on the Mount. Pray for your enemies. You can do that in the kingdom. When you have, know you have a God who is with you, restores you, protects you, provides, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And then finally, uh, God pursues us. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I love that, that idea you know, that you're walking along and goodness and mercy are just following right behind you. And, and when I say that, when I'm reciting that, I think of um, a childhood pet that I had. Oddly enough, I had a duck. I mean, I had cats and dogs and birds and things, but, but I had a duck. I don't know why I wanted a duck so badly, but I did, and my parents let me have one. And I got this little duckling, and um, I named him JB because, you know, James Brian Smith, my initials JB. Named my duck JB. And um, so ducks imprint on people. Like the duckling will figure out who they're parental figure is, and then they imprint, it's called imprinting, and then the duck becomes very attached. So JB was very attached to me. Uh, I would go up to this sand lot where we would play baseball and football and things a few blocks away, and I'd let JB come with me. And everybody thought it was hilarious because they'd see me walk into the park, and there's JB like six feet behind me just trying to keep whack, whack, whack. It's more animal noises. But uh, he just, he would come, and then he'd sit down in the field like in the outfield somewhere and just sit down there and he'd just look around and he'd watch and he'd, he'd keep his eye on me. And then as soon as I was done and I'd walk home, I wouldn't have to say, hey, JB, let's go. I, he would just see me and boom, boom, here he comes walking rack, rack, right behind me and he'd follow me home. And so I think of that. I think about, you know, surely goodness and mercy, just like JB, will follow me all the days of my life. Actually, he's not following me anymore. He grew up and I had to, it was a very sad day. I had to take him to a lake and he had to be with the other big ducks. But that's enough duck talk. Anyway, uh, Psalm 23, life in the kingdom, it's so beautiful. And really, the emphasis I want you to see is on God. God's the one who is the subject of all of these active verbs of pursuing and providing and so forth. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Our only response is to become like David or like Dallas Willard and become the person who who's looking for God. There's this wonderful prayer uh, in Latin. It's oculi made dominum deum, which always sounds cool when you can do Latin. But basically it says, my eyes are on the Lord. Wherever I am right now, on the way to work, walking in the park, sitting at home, what can I see? What can I see around me? I remember for a moment that God is present in all of this, that all of this has been made by God and is loved by God and holds me and all of this in the palm of his hand. When I look at that prayer, I think of my friend, the late great Rich Mullins, singer-songwriter, and one of his songs was, Everywhere I Go, I See You. And it's a, it's a beautiful song. I recommend you check it out, Rich Mullins, Everywhere I Go. And it's, it's beautiful. And just it reminds me that's, that's what we're doing. That's what I, I hope to be helping you do in this podcast is to learn how to see God, to set your mind on these heavenly realities that are all around us.
Well, I hope you'll join me next week for episode eight. And until then, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at James Ryan Smith. And you can learn more about this podcast at ApprenticeInstitute.org. If you enjoyed this episode, I hope you'll subscribe because then you can get them automatically each week. You only have to go search and find them. Until next time, keep setting your minds on things above. And as always, my hope is that one day if you're asked, hey, what's on your mind? Your answer will be things above.